and we can lead your eye in an interior to focus on our most beautiful objects. And I suppose like lighting the subjects on a stage in a, in a theatre performance, lighting a house is exactly the same or lighting a restaurant is exactly the same. Welcome to House Guest with me, Carol Annett, Interiors Editor at Country and Townhouse magazine. Here I chat to those clever creatives behind the houses, hotels and brands you see in glossy magazines like ours. Guests include interior designers and architects, as well as celebrities dipping their toe into the world of decorating. My house guest today is Harry Triggs, a director along with Andrew Molyneux of TM Lighting, one of the UK's leading art lighting specialists. TM Lighting design and manufacture exceptional LED products that transform works of art within private residences, stately homes, galleries and museums. Harry, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me today. No, thank you. Now, I am always fascinated by light and lighting, you know, how lighting literally transforms a project within a house. But when it comes to lighting art, it's also true to say you can completely ruin a picture or bring it to life depending on the right light. You know, light is one of those, I suppose, magical things, which is is really invisible when it passes through the air, but can transform an object. And choosing the right quality of light and the right type of light and, and the right position can really transform an interior, can really transform an artwork, can really transform your your furniture and how a, how a space feels. You work for an extraordinary kind of gamut of clients from the Rothschild Foundation, English Heritage, Blenheim Palace, Goodwood. You've been involved in some hotels and restaurants. Tell me why TM Lighting, how and why it came about and a bit about your expertise and background. So when Andrew and I founded TM Lighting, we, I suppose we both had a a deep set passion for art and for lighting um, and Uh, We both had studied uh, product design and engineering, and I also studied uh, architecture in Australia. And I think we kind of drew on our foundation and our passions, and we we brought that together. Um, And really, our first few projects were all uh, intrinsically linked with art. So we worked with uh, Goodwood House, and it's it's 10 years since we originally uh, started working with Goodwood House, and it's, and we've now completed lighting almost the entire collection in the private and the public side. We were working with the National Portrait Gallery on an exhibition with Comrade Shawcross of Titian's work and Comrade's interpretation of um, Titian's portrait of Diana, but with mechanical arms and rotating lighting. And a private collector who previously uh, represented some of uh, Britain's finest uh, modern artists. And um, I suppose putting together a a very high quality lighting product with an expertise in lighting art and uh, access to a great client base was really the foundations that we built on to build what TM Lighting has become over the past 10 years. What I love about you guys is that I could also just walk into your showroom and gallery space in King's Cross and ask you about, you know, lighting a little portrait of my dog or a photo or something. I mean, it's a very accessible company that you, you know, you you don't just work for the upper echelons. You'll kind of, you know, help out little old me kind of thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we because of we've have such a passion for art we believe in a kind of an educational process in terms of lighting about using 
good techniques or the or best in practice techniques and then sharing those with our clients to help them create the best possible effect for their own artworks for their own interiors when you come into a great space or a, or a well-designed building you have a sense of i suppose lighting is the interior's best friend so if lighting is done well lighting should almost be kind of invisible you shouldn't see the light source you should see the effect that the lighting creates um, and lighting of course can tell a fantastic story as well so in as you walk into a house you can create pools of light that lead you on a on a journey around the house and using a great quality of light also accentuates great materials so if we use a, a beautiful quality of led we're able to bring out the tones in a beautiful piece of, of furniture in the wood, in great fabrics. Can I ask you, when you talk about the quality of light, to a lot of people, me, you know, me included, it, you know, light is light. When you talk about quality of light, are you talking about colour or its intensity? There's lots of elements, and we have a kind of a, a simple guide or a guide that we recommend to people, and it's something that we coined when we first started, and we call it the three Cs, and we base that around the color temperature which is the uh, i suppose the warmth of light so normally in a in a home or residential or, or hospitality environment we try and aim towards 2700 kelvin and 2000 kelvin is a is a degree of the warmth of light and the the lower the number the more orange it is and the higher the number the more blue or cool it is and so for a contemporary gallery we might use something like 3000 kelvin which is a fairly neutral light and for something like a i don't know a damien hurst exhibition where we're trying to put people slightly at unrest we might go towards more 4000 kelvin but generally for interiors for for the majority of what we're talking about today 2700 kelvin or the that warmth of light is a good color temperature and that's our first c our second c is color rendition so I suppose when you're a child and you shine light through a prism, it separated light into the colors of the rainbow. And natural light is our gauge for our recognition of color or color gamut. So when we shine artificial light through a prism, we don't necessarily get all of the colors in the rainbow. So what we recommend is using a very high quality of light or a high color rendition, and that's our second C above 95 or 96 percent so that's you know, 95 plus cri and what that means is if you're shining that percentage of the colors in the rainbow against the colors in an artwork or the colors in the furniture we're seeing 95 percent of that color reflected and ideally we want that number to be as close to 100 percent as possible now in artificial light we're not able to achieve 100 percent, but we're able to get to kind of 90 eight percent and that means you're seeing almost every color that is uh is created within natural light and our third c which is still very important is color consistency so trying to keep that color rendition and that color temperature consistent across a uh, a house or across an interior uh but also using a reputable manufacturer so that those colors stay consistent over many many years and don't slightly skew towards towards either the warmer or cooler side of the spectrum sorry that's very that's very technical but i, I think if we can keep to those three c's it's a good guide for for consumers when it comes to picture lighting as well because i know now that um 
you know, traditionally you would have a your picture light hanging over the picture or or on the wall, and then you put the picture on the on the wall. Yeah. I mean, ha- picture lighting has changed en- enormously too, because quite often now the actual source of light is from further away. Yeah, so there's there's many many techniques that we can use in terms of lighting artwork on the wall. Uh, picture lighting is a fantastic tool uh, that we use in our arsenal all the time. And it's something that we, 10 years ago, we really redesigned the picture light so that it actually illuminated artwork. Uh, before, and I'm, I'm sure we all know, the old picture light tended to light the top of the frame and a little bit of the wall and not very much of the picture. And it created a nice glow within the room, but it didn't really light the object that it was designed to light. Since then, we've redesigned the picture light and, and rebuilt it from the ground up. And you're actually able to see the whole of an artwork and, and really see the colors and, and focus the light on the artwork. The reason why a picture light is great in interiors is it kind of brings down the ceiling level. So if we use if we were to light from the ceiling onto an artwork, we tend to light a little bit of the wall and the picture. And that creates a very particular type of light. And it it's not the wrong way to do it. And in the same way that picture lighting isn't the wrong way to do it. They're just one, <laughs> of, one of two, two techniques. Um, but I think picture lighting can create, I suppose when we walk into a space, what we really see is the walls in front of us and we see the objects in front of us. And, and that's what we focus on. And we can lead your eye in an interior to focus on our most beautiful objects. And I suppose it's like lighting the subjects on a stage in a, in a theatre performance we don't really want to see the the floor or the or the areas around the the actors. We want to see the actors, and we want to see the key bits of the set that relate to that scene. Lighting a house is exactly the same, or lighting a restaurant is exactly the same. We want to see the the food that we're eating. We want to see the art on the wall. We want to see the beautiful bits of furniture that are part of our own character. It sounds so obvious, but that's such a a kind of I was going to say light bulb moment, but you know it. You know, because when you think about it, of when you, you know, so many times when you go into a restaurant, I mean, you can't read the menu or you can't see what you're eating or, you know, and actually that's absolutely right. You want to be able to, you know, you know, you want things to be lit beautifully, but you also want to see them. And and likewise, kind of, um, you know, walking into a house or looking into a garden. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is something like a big piece of art or a big sculpture you know how on earth do you go about lighting something like that because presumably that has to come not necessarily just from one source from one light source you've you've got to kind of surround it big pieces of art are easier there's some kind of general uh consistent guidelines in terms of trying to light a, a large scale piece of art and so we're trying i suppose with a large flat piece of wall art we're trying to light it fairly evenly and we're trying not to create either reflections in the glaze or reflections in the uh if there's um glass in front or reflections in the frame so you're trying to bring the focus just really to the artwork and not to the, the surround of the artwork or anything else within the room and there's some fairly kind of common guidelines in terms of the angle of projection and the type of lights and things to do with a sculpture a sculpture is much more complex and Sculpture is much more complex because because it's a three dimensional form and it often requires a lot more. It's a lot more experimental in terms of its process. So recently, we've been lucky enough to work on a few private collections with 
uh, Rodans in their, in their collection, which is an absolute joy to see. Um, and Rodan... Uh, this is a, pri a private collection of Rodans. Private collection. We went, oh, we my went, goodness. We went, of course, share locations. Yeah, you can it, tell me it, later. It, <laughs> and... Um, the thing with Rodan is he has a very uh, dark and very glossy patina to a lot of his uh, bronze. And so you, you, you're dealing with something that's very reflective. You're dealing with something that's very absorbent to light. Uh, and so you have to be very uh, careful about the position in which you locate lights. So, and so I suppose with sculpture, you're trying to accentuate the form and I think also in a lot of uh, Rodin's work, the hands are across the face. So you you and you have to be very careful in terms of the direction of the light, so you don't create shadows on the face. So you, it's experimenting with the positions and the the angle of projection of light to try and make sure that you accentuate the form, but without while minimizing reflections. Of course, there's other works like at uh, Apsley House for the Duke of Wellington. We're lighting onto big marble works, and there they're they're you know light colored marbles. So often with marble, marble can discolor over time. So you you're trying to use probably a more neutral color light to make the marble look more pure. So you might, instead of the guideline that we spoke about earlier and using two thousand seven hundred Kelvin, we might air towards three thousand Kelvin or even slightly cooler to try and make the marble look more pure or more white. Um, and that so there's there's elements that you have to consider or I suppose there's more complex uh, sculpture like I don't know uh, things like Comrade Shawcross's work which often are about light and shadow and you're trying to incorporate light within the sculpture to to project the light and create these shadows and, and Comrade's a master of that or I suppose Anthony Gormley and Anthony Gormley really likes kind of light and shadow and so you're trying he doesn't like a lot of light, but he's trying to create form, but without you recognizing that there's light there and, and create these kind of angular shapes. So there's a sculpture is a, a whole unraveling of techniques, whereas flat artwork is process driven. We, we use a kind of a you know set guidelines to try and achieve great lighting. It sounds like an absolute minefield and dealing with the artist as well, if they're still alive. I mean, I guess you kind of, you know, somebody like Rhoda, you, you 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 don't have to worry about that. But, you know, I can yeah. imagine. <laughs> Plus, you've got um, presumably listed houses where you can't you've got to have, you know, you can't just sort of stick a light wherever you want. You've got to have them on tracks. And it's absolutely extraordinary. So so absolutely house that you were talking about. That's at Hyde Park Corner, isn't it? Hyde Park Corner. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we could go and look at some of your work at Apsley House in Hyde Park Corner. Okay, let's take it down back to basics now. What about, um, are there any kind of simple tips for lighting art in your home? I know I know we've done the three the three things. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think there's lots of different ways to approach lighting art. And I think there's a couple of things to really consider. One is the style of the building. Is it more heritage is it more contemporary is it modern and then also to try and analyze your own personal style because um i suppose you can be more of a collector and say okay well i, I really want to highlight every single artwork individually and almost create a kind of a museum feel you can go very casual and and have a kind of a collection of lamps and picture lights and spotlights and and just light 
certain pieces and certain objects are in your collection. Or you can go mixed and you can kind of have a, a mix of kind of a contemporary wash with key pieces highlighted as well. So I suppose in a more contemporary style, we tend to like uh, we tend to like the wall. So you kind of, I suppose, if for instance, if you had a group hang of multiple pictures, we might try and bathe the entire wall in light so that every piece is is lit fairly evenly and that's the kind of contemporary gallery style and and would that be with spotlights in the directional spotlights yeah and that can be directional spotlights recessed into the ceiling it can be directional spotlights mounted onto the ceiling or it can be directional spotlights mounted onto a onto a track and that can be a recessed up into the ceiling or, or mounted onto the ceiling or suspended but i think the principles would be the same it would be a uh, an array of spotlights aimed towards a wall in in some mounting format to create an even even wash of light and that creates a very contemporary feel but it's not necessarily the feel it, it, it's very nice during the day uh but it doesn't create those kind of like soft pools of light that we associate with hospitality and and that kind of warm inviting space so often we might mix that contemporary lighting with either downlights or spotlights to highlight and focus on objects within the room as well and one thing we often talk about is layering of light so within a house you might you often have an ambient layer which consists of i suppose floor lamps and table lamps and pendants and they create a kind of a soft glow within our room and that's probably what we'll find in most of our own personal houses and that that's very nice and it, i suppose you get that kind of solo house kind of feel and you get these kind of soft glow the only issue with those uh with that as a single layer of of lighting is you don't necessarily accentuate different things within a room we just we create these warm inviting pools if we then add a, an additional layer with lighting either in the ceiling uh in spotlights or lighting onto the walls we then we can create these uh i suppose focal points and this creates a visual hierarchy of objects within the room which we think are our exhibit our own personal character so if you think normally if you buy a new house you walk in and all the walls are white and you've bought this lovely white box and maybe there's some nice cornice details and some door arches but generally it's fairly plain until we add our own character to it so our ambient light creates the warm pools our directional light creates our, our visual hierarchy and then into that we might also add a third layer and that might be lighting built into, for instance, a lovely joinery display or a or a bar element or um or kind of under kitchen lighting. So we're we're using often linear lighting or, or localized lighting create to create kind of key kind of gems or displays of in, in the space. And then we might also add in something like picture lighting and in picture lighting, we're creating these pools of light across the wall um, and then creating these focal uh, focal positions of, across the wall. And of course, when we look out, we're looking towards the walls. And so often the key thing that we're seeing or that's within our within our view is is generally the walls. And so if we light those objects and then we and then also we're injecting our own character into the space. So really lighting is the invisible tool or should be an invisible tool we shouldn't really see it 
to accentuate the things that we love in our life or the things that we want to show our show off or show our friends or 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 be able to talk about absolutely fascinating and i think it also shows you how important it is to have you know if you are embarking on a renovation you know your lighting plan is really i guess it comes after space planning yeah absolutely yeah. Um, tell me more about where the where your space is in King's Cross because you also um, showcase um, up and coming artists. Yes, yeah, so six years ago we felt that we wanted to give back to uh, the art community a bit more. Uh, so we now have a around about a twelve hundred square foot gallery space, and we show young emerging uh, or up and coming. I think young is not necessarily young in their career uh, or or non-represented or up-and-coming artists and we work with different institutions like the ingram collection and like uh university of arts london to try and and give uh emerging artists a platform to show their work and of course to provide our clients with an opportunity to see and find young talents as they're as as they're coming up through the art world as well um, and we're based just south of uh, King's Cross Station, so right in the middle of, well, right in the thick of it in, in Zone 1. Um, and we've got a obviously a, a team here who, who are all very passionate about art as well, uh, who can wax lyrical for hours and hours about, and, and but all with different styles as well. You know, we, we, we're not exclusive to old masters over contemporary over modern art um and i think that's an important thing and i think you know it's something that's intrinsic to the business as well so we work with everything from i suppose damien hurst and anthony gormley and comrade shawcross on the contemporary side through to um uh different uh galleries and institutions like freeze and masterpiece exhibiting a, a more of a mix of art through to the old masters and I suppose Egyptian artifacts. So we we cover off a lot of a lot of different areas, and it really that comes from our passion. Uh, well, I suppose we've all got an intrinsic passion for art, and that's and and of course lighting. You know, yeah, you know, well, I suppose that goes, that goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah, and and truly, if you you know if you've got a piece of art or a piece of sculpture that you love, why wouldn't you want to show it off in its best guise? Um, yes. And and that's you know and that's um, all about the lighting. So yeah, so lighting is an enormous subject, and I think some of the things that we didn't really touch on so far is obviously we're in a cost of living crisis and a you know a carbon crisis, and we're in this period at the moment. And really, one of the things that's intrinsic to TM lighting is is that it's a low energy product. So when we redesigned the picture, like we created a product that really uses about a tenth of the energy of a traditional picture light and so the the environmental aspect of the company we've always tried to build that into whatever we do so obviously led is a low energy product but you can also you can create led products in a way that's even more low energy so we design assemble produce everything pretty much within the M25 or as, or as close as possible to that. And so we're trying to create as environmental a product as possible. We've also tried to remove all of the, the um, 
plastic or non-recyclable elements from the from the products wherever possible. So we're using metals which are easily recyclable or products that are easily recyclable or products that can be um, have a bit of a life cycle so we can re replace elements within them. And obviously when lights come back to us, we repair and replace and reissue. And so we, we're trying to create something that's it helps on that, it helps on the energy side, helps on the carbon footprint side. I suppose the other thing we haven't really touched on as well is is conservation. So LEDs is great when used with natural materials. So natural materials are much more sensitive to light. And as I suppose, as we know, if you have a really beautiful fabric and it sits next to your uh, next to your windows, light floods into the windows and eventually it loses its its color. Well, artificial light is, is, can be the same depending on what type of light you use as as natural daylight. But NED is great because it doesn't produce ultraviolet light, which is the, the daylight plunging through our windows and bleaching out the color in our in our curtains and our carpets in our in our fabrics and in our delicate materials in the room. And it doesn't produce infrared, which is the, you know, I suppose the same as the heat from the sun. And those attribute to something around about 70% of all of the damaging light within the visible spectrum. Of course, you then need to regulate the, you know, the remaining amount of light. And without needing to sound too technical, really LED is a is a great light source for conservation in some ways. It, it, it helps us preserve the valuable objects within our room. It helps us maintain the colors within our artwork, and it helps us ensure that we can pass on these great objects to our children and hopefully to our children's children and so forth and so on. Thank you, Harry. It's been absolutely fascinating. I have learned so much. You know, it's really juicy stuff and it's really, really fascinating. Um, thank you very much indeed. No, you too. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. You can hear more House Guest on British Airways in-flight entertainment in the audio section, along with our sister podcast, Breakout Culture, with Lord Ed Vasey and Charlotte Metcalf. You can follow me on Instagram at Carol W. Annett.